Hello and welcome to the Game Dev London podcast, a community of people uh, who love making games and talking about games, whether or not they're based in London. Today I'm your host, Anna, and uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Valentin Matitsky, a lead VFX artist from Playground Games, and obviously today we'll be talking about VFX. Hi, Valentin. How are you doing? Thank you Hi, for Anna. joining. Do you want to introduce yourself to yeah, our audience? Doing great. Um, so, hi all, and uh, again, thanks for having me. Um, so, as Anna mentioned, my name is Valentin Minitsky, and I'm a lead graphics uh, artist at Playground Games, working on a Forza Horizon project. Um, so, I'm working as a lead graphics artist for about 10 years already, and um, I'm in the game development industry for 15 years. And during that time, I've worked uh, on a variety of different projects from uh, uh, small social games for Facebook and other, um, and other social networks to a variety of AAA projects and MMOs, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, enjoying my craft and uh, yeah, um, would like to share some uh, of those knowledge with you today. Amazing. That's like a huge career. I'm very sure you're going to have so much knowledge. Uh, starting with like, what is a VFX artist? Uh, like I've worked with the VFX artists before, but beyond knowing that you do some particle effects, I have no idea. So tell us about it. Uh, so in the game development industry, VFX artists are the people that basically working on uh, creating as you might guess, a variety of effects. And um, compared to like post-production industry where the VFX artists are uh, people that would be modeling stuff and animating things and characters as well. But in, um, as I mentioned, in game development, it's a pretty narrow field where you basically animate uh, different kind of elements. So lightnings, rains, smoke, fire. Um, obviously, we also creating stuff like muzzle flashes, explosions, pallet uh, uh, heats on variety of different uh, surfaces, and also all those cool spells that you see in a lot of uh, fantasy RPG games and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that's the VFX art. It's very interesting how there is such a huge difference between VFX in games, like doing all those, like just effects, and VFX in other industries where it's, uh, as you're saying, like modeling and animating. I would assume like all those cool dragons, all of that is done by VFX. Do you have a lot of people like joining games industry being very confused as to what they're going to be doing? Have you ever noticed anything like that? Um, well, yeah, it happens from time to time. Uh, when the people from post-production uh, join the game industry, they sometimes assume that uh, they're going to be working more on uh, modeling and texturing um, uh, different assets or characters or maybe animating something or a lot of other things. But as I mentioned, yeah, in uh, game development, the fix is way narrower field than in post-production so yeah we are basically um animating those elements and uh, 
variety of other different things depending from uh, the company, I guess. Uh, on the other hand, uh, almost everywhere fixed artist in the game development industry is a, a pretty good uh, specialist and actually a variety of fields. So we can also model, texture, animate uh, using various techniques, um, work with uh, different uh, simulations, um, also a little bit of uh, tech art, rendering, um, shader creation. So yeah, it just depends what actually works in your engine and in your game, and we will try to make it happen. That sounds like people who want to be VFX artists need a lot of different skills. I didn't realize it was that complicated. Um, if like people wanting to get into this career, what kind of things you would say they should focus on the most? Um, so actually, um, a lot of my fellow VFX artists that I've worked in a variety of different teams, they came from uh, other uh, art fields in game development. So some of them were actually uh, modelers with like five or 10 years of experience. Other spend some time animating. Um, there's also people that uh, uh, loved tech art, but they also liked creating those effects or working on those effects. So, and didn't like necessarily working on the procedural uh, world building. So they could switch from tech art to VFX. Again, tech art and VFX are like really uh, close fields in game development. So basically, I would say um, it's quite possible to switch from any other art field uh, to VFX, um, even if you are concept artist and you basically draw in Photoshop. There's a lot of uh, games that actually require frame by frame uh, animation, uh, drawing of those fire smokes, etc. Uh, old school Disney, Disney style, um, and yeah, you you can you can definitely switch your career to VFX uh, if you have experience in those fields. Um, additionally to that, I would say if you worked with uh, video editing or uh, motion design, it's also a pretty good foundation to switch to VFX because you already know a lot of uh, things and like motion design is pretty close as well because you probably know a lot of tricks of trade with animation and making things look good and snappy in terms of their movement. So yeah, that would be also a pretty good foundation to go to uh, real-time FX. And uh, additionally, if you worked on uh, uh, post-production FX, if you were creating uh, scenes where there was like destruction, again, lightning, bolts, hitting everything, or huge explosions, or uh, splashes of water, etc., uh, etc. Et Again, like really good foundation to switch from uh, post-production to game development. Um, and again, you can actually bring a lot of interesting new ideas to uh, game development uh, working in post-production previously. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of fields basically would allow you to switch. That sounds like very diverse. Uh... Uh, you were mentioning like drawing uh, in Photoshop and stuff and got me thinking like, is there a difference between 
two DVFX artists and three DVFX artists because like I know for uh, like other types of artists it's uh, kind of like completely two different fields and require completely different skills. Uh, is that the same for VFX or is it more transferable? I think it's definitely way more transferable than in other fields, like for example, 2D or 3, 3D animation. Um, on the other hand, every good uh, 3D animator uh, would tell you that, you know, knowing the basic principle, like 10 principles of animation is uh, this core foundation that you need to be good uh, with animating in any kind of style if you're doing realistic animations. Same with VFX, if you're trying to do a, uh, Okay, so on, on that thought, um, there there is definitely a, a difference in terms of how you create effects between um, effects that have more fluid 2D animation feel to them compared to realistic anime, uh, realistic effects in realistic games like Call of Duty or some something else. Uh, but the core principles, 10 principles of animation are definitely still there and you usually need to know them and use them where they're applicable to make your effects look good, snappy, and visually interesting. And again, there's also a lot of same applicable techniques in terms of, you know, you still need to understand how to properly uh, observe your subject matter to transfer it later on to be a fix in the game, no matter if it's realistic or um, uh, stylized. So. Yeah, the only thing, as I mentioned, the techniques are different. So uh, realistic VFX probably require uh, sometimes more tech knowledge compared to uh, stylized 2D effects, especially if they're hand-drawn. They require more um, being more art-savvy, uh, understanding uh, frames and uh, yeah, how, how that animation works. But I would definitely say that it's way better to know how to do a good stylized hand-drawn effects. Um, and then you would be able to pretty easily quickly switch to doing uh, uh, realistic effects. Then knowing how to do tech stuff, uh, doing realistic effects, but not understanding the core principles of animation. Because at that point, your I don't know, texture materials, models, whatever that you're going to be using shaders in your effects would be working correctly, but your effects still would look odd or not snappy enough, not interesting. So yeah, I would say uh, foundation and basic are quite important as well. So basically get first become a 2D artist and stuff and then uh, move on to tech. Uh, you're well, talking about... Uh, yeah. I, I wanted to say it's not necessarily. I, I'm saying that it would be uh, highly valuable for you to have those skills. You don't necessarily even need to finish the project as a uh, creating stylized 2D effects. Just trying your hand in those, maybe going through a course or two, or looking some, um, watching some YouTube videos about how those effects created, and maybe just try to follow them. Uh, with your Wacom and Photoshop and see if it will go well. If not, then maybe there's some interesting things that you don't know yet and there's a lot of uh, uh, ways you can improve. 
You were talking about the animation principles. Uh, what are they? So there is a well-known 10 principles uh, animations of animation. Uh, those were formulated by, uh, I guess, Disney. Again, maybe maybe I'm wrong here, but basically uh, with those uh, old school animators that work in Disney, I guess, in 40s, 50s. And uh, yeah, I, I won't go through all of them, uh, but if you will just Google 10 principles of animations, there's a lot of uh, good articles about them. And there's also just a pretty good gift that would explain them uh, via animation uh, rather than you know trying to explain them with words. So yeah, those, those are pretty good. Yeah, that's very handy to know that existed. I wish there were 10 principles of game design. You can just learn and be good at it. Um, so uh, what's uh, your favorite um, VFX effect you've created in your career that you're like very, very proud of? Uh, I guess as a lot of different artists, I won't say that there is something special and favorite. I'm definitely more fond of my recent work than the work that was like done by me five or 10 years ago, because I'm basically on a, on a journey improving my craft and my skills and every next effect, uh, VFX is uh, better, hopefully better than the previous one. Because if I'm, if the next one would be worse or less interesting, then that means I'm kind of regressing rather than improving. So yeah, the, the, the best things are uh, ahead of me and uh, the recent best were like this year or last year effects that we done for Forza Horizon 5. Uh, I would say definitely the best uh, currently, but yeah, looking forward. But like, what is, I, I guess, is there something like very interesting or like unusual that you worked on that it was like kind of fun as in like designing it and making it? Um, again, I, I would say that every effect that I or my team are creating or my previous team were creating. Uh, we usually, you know, we, we don't use the same techniques that we used previously. We partially use the same techniques, but we, because we want to make it better, we're trying something new. So uh, there is a pretty uh, interesting process of uh, research and development every time that you're creating a new effect. Well, obviously, if you have time, of course. So. Uh, you're trying to explore additional possibilities, how to do the same thing that you did previously, but better, uh, how to improve the materials, how to improve the motion, or uh, how to improve the shader in the in the current engine that you're working in, and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I would say I'm, I'm having a lot of fun creating any kind of effects. And uh, I know that some people are like want to create some specific, I don't know, huge explosion VFX or some specific magical spell VFX or uh, 
everyone obviously have their own and favorite one but i definitely say that even the smallest effects have actually a lot of depth uh in terms of uh how they are created and actually how to improve them how to make them look better and every time you return to the same i don't know bonfire effect there's additional ideas that you probably didn't use previously or a better understanding how to do it better and you you restart your journey again with with this specific effect and you're pushing your craft so yeah i i won't say sorry i probably will disappoint you but i won't say that there's a my favorite one or that i specifically like to do so yeah if you like your craft every small thing uh, no matter how small it is um actually could you know create a pretty big challenge for you that's very interesting i kind of always thought that there was like a correct way of doing an effect but it turns out that <laughs> there are different techniques for the same thing that's really cool um yeah so i, I wanted to say that um Compared to a lot of other uh, uh, art, uh, I don't know, uh, art departments in uh, games or uh, art disciplines, in VFX there, there are some techniques to create some specific effect, but uh, every effect could be created in so many different ways, and it depends from if you're creating a realistic effect or stylized effect, how stylized it is, um, what your engine actually support, what kind of uh, shader work you can do, etc., etc. So, yeah, basically, if it looks good and it looks believable, uh, and it doing its uh, gameplay thing uh, that uh, game designers uh, requested you to do, then it's good. But there is no wrong or right ways uh, they're just the final uh, visuals uh, and performance obviously that matters performance yeah, always the problem in any game uh, how do you like when you're looking at your the effects that you're creating uh, how do you what's your thought process i guess when you're deciding how this needs to be improved and whether it needs to be improved or it's like good enough for the game because you know like nothing can be perfect uh so um yeah that's that's uh that's a very interesting question again as as a lot of artists looking back at what you've created you you always find a a good new idea how to how to improve it or you're thinking like, oh, if I would have a little bit more time, I would be able to implement that and that and or make it look better in some specific situations, um, etc. So, again, um, I think there is a pretty good proverb. Um, I think it was Leonardo da Vinci that said that uh, art could never be finished, only abandoned. So that's that's the case with me as well. But like, at, at what point do you abandon then art? Like, what do you, how do you at decide? Yeah, how do you decide it's good enough for you? Um, so I think when it serves its purpose, uh, first and foremost, and um, it also looks good and I guess art direction are happy with 
uh, how it looks and there is no more feedbacks. Uh, additionally to that, it quite performant as well on the variety of platforms that you are targeting your game to be released on, uh, then, then it's good enough because there's probably a lot of other things uh, in the pipe for you to uh, work on and create. So yeah, you, you still um, switching uh, to something else. Yeah, makes sense. Basically, get a minimum viable product everyone is happy with and move on. Uh... Well, I guess you might say so, uh, but in some in some situations, again, you, you can always, I don't know, uh, look at it and think that maybe, you know, a new way or uh, some better way how to improve performance. And if you would be able to do that, then, uh, you know, some other effects would uh, would be possible to uh, in this game as well. So you 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 can try to push performance forward. Or for example, our direction is happy, but you I don't know at the last moment uh, figure out that there is something really cool uh, in your head that that idea that can improve it drastically. So again, you you can go to our direction and ask if or your lead. Uh, and ask like, hey, pitch that idea. And maybe if there is enough time, um, yeah, you, you can you can start improving. But I mean, there's always something else to do. Yeah, that's game development. Um, oh, Jesus, I had a question in my head and it just slipped my mind. Um, how do like uh, how much creative uh, creative control do you have uh, as a VFX artist? Like you were mentioning art direction and feedback from them, and like designers with like or oh, what it needs to do. Uh, but like when you're making a, an effect, do you, like do you look at the feature and decide where the VFX need to go, or like, do you just get a list of when you need a fire here, when you need a fire there, when you need a bullet flying? Uh, how does it work? Um, okay, so I think as every artist, you have actually a lot of creative control over what you're doing. And me being as a lead, I set some, uh, some level of uh, visual fidelity for my team. And I also give them feedbacks and um, ask for improvements if necessary, etc., or pitch the ideas how they should look uh, and to work with everything else. Um, I would say there's there's definitely you know a main theme or a main art direction of your game. So if you're creating a realistic game, then maybe creating a stylized effects uh, would kind of look wrong with overall game direction and vice versa. So obviously you're relying on overall uh, game style for, for those effects. Um, after that, you keep, you're constantly keeping in mind the uh, performance that you can spare for that effect because there probably would be other effects and it should be performant. All of them should be performant enough. So you would be able to actually accommodate all of them at the same time on screen. Uh, there is also quite important important moment, um, especially if it's uh, um, some kind of gameplay effect uh, in maybe some RPG game or something like 
uh, League of Legends or maybe Diablo or whatnot. So there's a, a game design purpose of that of that effect, uh, and there's obviously a game designer's request about that. And again, it's quite important because, for example, if game designers ask you to create a fireball or some kind of bullet shot, there's obviously a lot of dependencies in terms of uh, what kind of damage that fireball will do, what would be the uh, area of effect uh, damage as well of that one. So again, you, you don't want to create a, a fireball explosion that would be uh, all over the screen, but the damage area would be maybe like, I don't know, a couple of centimeters on the screen or something like that, etc. So there's a lot of restrictions like that that you must keep in mind um, when when you're creating effects. Same again for the realistic effects. Um, maybe muzzle flash from a small rifle should be um, again probably smaller than um, muzzle flash from high caliber machine gun uh, and so on and so forth. Even even if those both of those rifles are not realistic or some kind of uh, uh, sci-fi weapons and stuff like that so you're keeping all of those things in mind and then you yeah you basically create the effect uh playing with all of those restrictions uh but in the end of the day uh it's quite an interesting and creative process to actually you know squeeze as much as you can uh with your art direction the gameplay purpose of the effect uh, with a performance that you can spare and at the same time make it look uh, as good as you can and also properly work on the screen with other, with other effects. You make sure that, uh, you know, players are not just bombarded with fires and bullets and everything. Like, how, do, do you have, like, you know how in UI you have... Um, hierarchy of fonts like you can't use like more than three big fonts and I, I don't know the actual rules but there are like do you have something similar for like ux and vfx so yeah i mean analyzing some games like for example like world of warcraft you can uh, quickly come to a conclusion that there's actually some weights assigned to a lot of different spells and there's also color coding for those spells so Obviously, fire spells are all kind of red and orangey, but healing spells, depending from the game, they could be all of them should could be green. So if the healing spells are color coded green in your game, then probably all healing should be green. So it would be easier for player to understand. And for something like, for example, in Overwatch, the color for healing is actually yellow. So all yellow VFX are, are actually healing some some kind of healing spells or something like that you you don't you know create half of your healing green half of your healing yellow and maybe also put like a poison as green as well because it would mislead the player so and so on and so forth uh, same for the poison some games decide that per a poison should be purple and some games decide that poison should be actually green so and so on and so forth. So there's definitely a hierarchy of those colors, and in a lot of uh, and also sizes and uh, silhouettes of those effects. Uh, there's also such a thing as, uh, for example, more aggressive damaging effects would kind of use the 
pointy shapes in their silhouette compared to more round shapes that probably would be used for something like healing, um, etc. So there's color coding, uh, shape silhouette coding, obviously size, um, how fast it is or how slow it is, and so on and so forth. All of those are usually uh, decided in the uh, art direction documentation for the game that is usually again created uh, be in some pre-production stage uh, and then it's used uh, for all the effects uh, so everything that is created by every team a member from VFX uh, team would be consistent in terms of a shape color and so on and so forth so yeah as, as you mentioned there's definitely a, a should be a pretty good art direction documentation about all of those and usually those are developed uh, by art director and lead graphics artist maybe principal graphics artist in the uh, pre-production stage of the game and like for people who i know making their own games and they don't they are the vfx and the art director what kind of things like um except for like color coding and all of that like is there anything in particular that also goes into that bible that would be useful um i would say if you're if you're creating your own game if you're an indie game developer i don't know if you're alone then i guess you can probably keep everything in your head if you're if you have a team of 10 people then maybe you are the only vfx artist in that team and maybe you also have an art director or somebody that kind of leading overall art in your game so again it's always good to speak with him decide maybe create some quick sketches in photoshop to just approve things and yeah decide that you will go that way um and yes stay uh stay consistent um additionally to that uh there's there's actually a lot of uh really good I would say VFX are documentations from other games that you can look at to, you know, get an idea how it's done and uh, what and how to think about things when you're going to be uh, designing and creating effects for your game. Obviously, having a list of uh, spells or weapons or something like that beforehand would be quite useful. So. If at the get-go you can get like 10 weapons um, or 10 spells from your game designers, you can quickly develop. Um, okay. So uh, basically, you were talking about uh, also like doc uh, VFX documentation where people uh, can see like what to think about and this kind of stuff when you're designing VFX. Uh, do you have, can you like summarize some of the things that you found interesting uh, when reading those? Like what are, I guess, the most important things apart from like performance and like we know like about gameplay purpose and stuff but like how do you achieve that uh, i guess is my question uh how do you achieve creating the effect or how do you achieve uh i don't know visual uh 
just in general, like when you're designing a VF, like an effect, uh, what kind of things uh, do you think like are the most important uh, to think about, excluding that the performance and gameplay purposes? Uh, okay, okay. So, um, if you are working on a realistic game, then obviously when you're thinking about how that effect should look, you first um, find a proper references or capture them, or maybe they were captured already during the pre-production stage, so you return to them. Then you looking into those and uh, trying to understand the subject matter and how, I don't know, dust evolves or something like that, you try to distill in your head what an actual physical process is going on and how it behaves and also how it would behave in some other situations and based on that you you decide on uh, techniques that you're going to be using for creating that effect in some cases um, currently there is actually no choice uh, because of some other uh, restrictions as uh, perf for example so yeah, you're choosing your technique, uh, and then you stra uh, start building that effect. You maybe uh, will start with something pretty simple um, that I would say like a white box effect, where you're building your effect and you don't mind about the performance or anything like that, or don't mind about it in general. You obviously don't slap uh, tons of particles and tons of textures to it, and then understand that you would need to cut half of it, and it actually would lose uh, its visuals. So anyway, uh, going, yeah, you, you're, you're creating that effect in your, I guess, particle system, or maybe it's a effect that you are gonna be using um, just mesh and shader approach or something like that. And uh, yeah, you, you're creating a, a white box effect that kind of have a lot of uh, behaviors that you saw in the references. Then you try to push uh, the material and the texture of what you're creating to be closer to what, again, you saw in the references. And maybe at that point you are kind of ready to show it to uh, your lead or art director to get some smaller feedbacks. So basically you've created a, an effect that kind of looks and kind of behaves the way uh, you saw in the reference. So yeah, hearing some other uh, people opinions probably would be a, a good at this point. And also again, um, in my personal opinion, and in my personal approach, I would like to, I like to show uh, a fact that I'm creating earlier uh, to our direction or to whoever I need to uh, approve them with. So I, I would make sure that I'm going in, into the right direction rather than, you know, spending a couple of weeks creating something that you look good and then finding out that it wasn't even what you what um, I don't know, um, our direction was looking uh, to see, or game design actually needed. And again, there's there's already tons of stories like that. And one of the oldest one I remember there was a GDC talk ab uh, about the VFX of Diablo. So it was kind of like a post mortem, and that was a use case when 
game designers asked about the Vefic for some kind of ballista spell. And Vefix artists actually created an animated ballista that was shooting some pretty big bolts. But yeah, the ballista was actually just a code name. It it wasn't connected to actual ballista in any way or form. So they, they had to rework it. So and I think most of the Vefix artists had a story like that in their in their career where they kind of misunderstood was what was wanted or the information was you know sent as a just one sentence in your messenger and the actual result was completely different from what was actually expected from you so yeah showing some white box thing always a good idea to make sure that overall size and shape and maybe um the snappy um how snappy the animation is, or maybe how slow the animation is, is what was actually expected. And then you can, you know, start polishing with a proper material, proper textures, etc., etc. Yeah, I think it's like really important just in general to communicate with different departments who. <clears throat> who are involved uh, like even working like with engineers or artists or anything uh, interpreting a design is like a really difficult job I think like no matter how good the design is there is still room for misunderstanding uh, so yeah like checking up with uh, whoever you're working with or for or whatever like it's very important uh, you were mentioning uh, references um, what kind of references uh, like do you get? Is it more? Uh, is it better to always go for like real life things, or do you also use like movies and games for references as well? I think I think movie and games they're not for the references. They're more for uh, inspiration to look like how other people, how other artists actually tackled uh, the effect that you're trying to create what how their stuff looked to you know it could inspire you it can give you some ideas uh, but i think it would be wrong to actually use uh, movies uh, or other games as your main source of references because you're basically copying a copy of uh, real subject matter in our world um, there's of course things that you know, you can get the reference for because I guess there the there's unfortunately no um, real applicable magic spells uh, that you can capture on video. Well, at least from what I know. Uh, or, you know, if you need an explosion of a space station, thanks God, there's no videos that can show you those either. So, yeah, at that point, maybe looking into the some videos of explosions and maybe thinking about how how it would work in outer space and also looking at how it was created uh in films and maybe how your audience would actually you know would await how it would look uh would make sense but if if you are creating something that actually exists in real world, I would say it's it's always a good idea to find uh, a good reference. Um, if you if you can't capture it yourself, obviously you need to go to YouTube or 
uh, Vimeo or something, or um, maybe buy uh, um, videos from uh, stock uh, stock videos, uh, uh, web pages, and stuff like that. Um, but I also would say that a lot of uh, good graphics artists, uh, no matter if they were working on stylized things or on uh, realistic effects, they all suggest you to try and find the opportunity to go and capture uh, a video of what you're going to be creating yourself. Um, and I'm totally on board with that idea because when you actually sing it for yourself and you can choose whatever the angle that you would like, well, in most of the cases, obviously, if you're capturing Volcano, then maybe, yeah, you are limited with the angles uh, of video capture. But yeah, you can look at the at the different sides of it. And you also kind of, when you're looking into it, not through the camera, but obviously you're, you're not filming it constantly. You're just looking and studying it. Uh, a lot of additional, this experience and, all, and knowledge settles in. And then you have a better understanding how it works, how it looks. And uh, with videos on YouTube, you're like pretty limited for the amount of... Uh, observation time that you can do or with angles etc but if you saw it yourself it's way easier to create a way better effect than you would be able to if you just if you were just limited to several youtube videos because again you know how it should look and it's really hard to you know kind of trick yourself to doing something worse that you actually saw Uh, I I actually never exploded anything, although I did a lot of explosions in my, my life. Um, I mean, graphics fix of explosions, obviously. Uh, so yeah, never exploded anything myself. Um, unfortunately, because of my uh, work, I had to watch through the tons of explosions. Like for example, when I was working in one of my previous companies, Wargaming, and I was working on World of Tanks and World of Warplanes. Uh, we watched through tons of uh, World War II footage um, of, fr from from different sides of the conflict, etc. So yeah, this is this is a part that yeah we have to do as a VFX artists to get uh, our visuals correct. Um, in terms of what the most extreme that I actually saw in real life, I guess it would be. Uh, semi-erupting volcano in Sicily. But again, it wasn't like a full eruption. At that point, it was visited by tourists. So I was one of the tourists from a tourist group. But that volcano is semi-active all the time. It constantly have those uh, smoke plumes going out every now and then. And you also um, have this smell uh, constantly in the air of sulfur. So yeah, things things like that, uh, and it's actually erupt, uh, erupted the next year, from what I heard. So, yeah, so I filmed all of those on uh, on a video cam from kind of different, really safe angles, uh, from really far away. Um, yeah, things yeah, like that. Sounds really cool. I don't know, like that sounds like a really cool part of the job to go to like volcanoes and stuff and see things happen. <clears throat> uh, you, one of the things you mentioned is like, oh, think about how players would expect. Um, 
is there have you ever noticed that is there like any dissonance between what people expect things to look and what things look like um specifically like i mean in games uh, i know like there is a lot of um we need to do what people expect rather than how things work in real life and game design with uh, i don't know like guns and stuff for example uh like is that is it similar in vfx as well yeah it's definitely very sim- similar with vfx um obviously a lot of people saw action movies of a uh, different kind and the muzzle flashes of most of the guns have this really big fire muzzle that actually kind of doesn't happen that much in uh, real life if you will look at how i don't know uh, muzzle flashes from m16 looks in the videos and how they look from a videos from a shooting range they are quite very different so because most of the people saw more movies rather than you know actual footage from shooting range or war um and again because in movies everything kind of looked flashier uh, this was adopted in most of the games again if i'm gonna say like call of duty battlefield all other games they're doing their mother flashes with more fire uh compared to real world counterparts there is a small trend right now i would say to move to more realistic representations of explosions muzzle flashes and other things Uh, a lot of explosions uh, currently in video games doesn't look as uh, oily i would say how they looked i don't know 10 years ago like for example every grenade explosion in uh, um, action movies from 90s look more like a small uh, oil barrel exploded or something like that tons of fire tons of uh, black smoke and something like that so a lot of games uh, recreated that as well but again right now it feels like um, more and more games they're looking into real uh, visual representation of those things real footage and then uh, making their effect look uh, more like a real thing um, so yeah that's that's how people expect things to look and again with with something uh, like spells there's obviously games like uh, World of Warcraft or Diablo or League of Legends and Dota, etc. And there's already a pretty well-established overall visual style of uh, how some spells should look like. And that's basically what people expect to see. So if you will try to do something totally different, it might, might mislead people. Uh, in a lot of ways and they from a get-go they wouldn't understand what actually what is the gameplay purpose of that of that spell that you're casting so yeah there's there's definitely a a pretty big expectation uh, because there's a a lot of trends in graphics in games specifically and in movies generally but again every now and then there's like really interesting game that is uh, out and uh, it tries to do it affects a little bit different uh not as everybody else but somehow similar and yeah at that point it kind of looks looks cool and uh, yeah fresh i would say so yeah something like that
Yeah, like <clears throat> it's always in game development very important to look what other games do because you can just kind of like steal that capital of people understanding and don't have to like over explain everything just because you're, you're doing something like very similar but with your own twist it, I guess. Um, with the like uh, games and stuff, do you look a lot at what other games are doing currently, and like how do you analyze them? Uh, how do you learn from other games? So, yeah, as as with the previous theme that we just currently dis discussed, I think um, all of us, all of uh, artists in game development industry or maybe post production industry, we are kind of building our art on shoulders of the previous generations and we are looking what was done previously and we are trying to improve on that and uh, kind of we also because we are doing that we kind of following people's expectations in terms of how it should look like especially again if if it's if it's something that you know not present in the real world because if it's actually present in the real world you just try to to make it look like uh, the subject matter that you're trying to represent. So yeah, we are building all our craft on the shoulders of the previous generation, and we uh, try to improve it. And maybe hopefully those other developers would look at what we did, and they would also improve. And that's uh, kind of constant race between a variety of different studios in the world that trying to not necessarily trying to outdo some specific game or some specific effect, but they are get like very inspired by what was done by other people. And uh, yeah, they, they're improving their own effects. And at the same time, those effects also inspire a new generation and so on and so forth. So again, in terms of, uh, as you mentioned, like what kind of games we are trying to or I'm trying to look for effects. So I'm um, I'm an avid gamer and I'm playing all type of games. I uh, playing something from like from Hearthstone to uh, maybe more realistic shooter games, etc. I think there's a lot of inspirations inspiration in uh, many of the games that was released like last year, this year, or ten years ago actually. So. Um, and again, I think this is a part of a uh, uh, part of uh, my professional deformation because when I'm playing the game, I instantly looking at effects and I'm instantly kind of understanding how how it was done. So partially that uh, illusion that artists try to create is, I won't say not working to me, but not as convincing to me, or I can see some small bits or some small issues that I probably encountered when I was doing that effect as well and couldn't overcome, for example. And I see it in their work and I'm like, oh, it's good that not only I did that mistake or something like that. Or maybe uh, I'm not seeing any of those mistakes that I've did and uh, were still present in my latest uh, version of that kind of effect. And I'm yeah, that get me inspired to get better, to understand how it was done. So yeah, as I mentioned, all games work as inspiration. There's definitely a lot of interesting things in all of them. And partially that is, again, um, back to 
the overall animation of the effect and overall the shape and silhouette of the effect. Not necessary. I, I don't necessarily need to uh, watch the uh, realistic games to get inspired. Uh, a lot of stylized get me very inspired as well. Do you have like a favorite game that you think did like the best VFX for whatever reason? So, I uh, <clears throat> I I think that there are games with some effects in them that I liked uh, currently the most. Like for example, if there's a, like. A lot of games did the waterfall effects, and uh, when I'm playing several games that were released like this year or last year, I'm comparing that specific effect between them. And it, I I might like the uh, waterfall from one specific game, but I can like the other effects from other specific game, etc. So it's not like, you know, this effect, this game in terms of effects, are my, my most favorite one. It's more I'm loving effect that in this game that specific effect, but I'm loving I'm I'm loving like a fireball for example from the other game, uh, or thunderbolt from a third game, and so on and so forth, uh, or some specific spell that only exists in one game. Like I, I really like how it was created. So yeah, things like that. I I won't pick any names because again, uh, I have a really big respect to all the VFX artists and everybody is constantly uh, improving and polishing their craft and it's really good to you know to play the game of the same developer but then play the next part of that game and see and try to understand if they actually learn some lessons and how they improve what they had previously it's it's always good it's especially when there's a lot of improvement you're like oh yeah, they, they totally recreated that effect uh, and did it in a completely different way. And now it looks way better. So yeah, you're, you're happy when the people evolved or maybe somebody else uh, did their take on, on that specific spell or something like that. So yeah. yeah that's very interesting of like playing the game of the developer and seeing how they're progressing. Uh, yeah, I never thought. Um... <laughs> Um, no worries. Did I? No. Uh, and uh, f from like a player perspective, um, VFX is like very important uh, for like communicating things to players. Uh, what's kind of like? your take on the importance of VFX and how do you, what things to consider when you're doing this? So, yeah, as I, as I mentioned previously, and as you mentioned, yeah, there's, there are some games and there's a lot of uh, pretty famous games that all the players interaction or the interaction between players are done via actually using the effects. So, in the game where you're constantly casting spells or constantly shooting at, at other players, you're basically constantly communicating with other players via VFX. Um, so again, and at that point, it's quite important to get all of those um, correct and right. So um, 
as I mentioned, there's there's a lot of articles written about how to properly, uh, you know, create an I don't know area of effect uh, spell so it would look and the 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 damage area would be properly represented with what you are trying to do with the effect. If it would be explosion, then the size of the explosion would be kind of exactly like the damage area that it's uh, this spell or, you know, grenade is doing. Um, and I would say in most of the recent games, and when I say recent, I mean like five, seven years, I kind of didn't saw any game that, you know, the the effect was like way smaller uh, compared to the damage area that it was doing or where effect was completely not representative of how much damage it was doing. Though there are some games where you get a big weapon and you you want you you're shooting it expecting that it will just deal tons of damage but it didn't yeah that that, that happens uh, from time to time and maybe at that point uh, you know the effect from that game would also look very flashy but won't do as much damage as you expected but again i think this is kind of some kind of problem probably in the i don't know last minute rebalancing when the a weapon asset and the effect etc they were already done set in stone and there was basically no time to remake them but there was re rebalancing of uh, of of the weapon damage because of some uh, game design uh, issues or something like that i was so, gonna yeah. say it totally was a designer last minute thing the gun because it was too powerful and then bfx were like no sorry guys we can't do it yeah, yeah, but again, it's usually you know, it's not like you're you're shooting an atomic bomb and it just does one uh, HP damage or something like that. Yeah. It never happens. It's maybe uh, I don't know, fifty percent less that you expected in terms of damage, but still, still a lot of damage and still a pretty big area of damage or something like that. Uh, so, yeah. Are there any ways to like kind of mitigate? And when you're making a VFX, those kind of last-minute changes in making things more generic while still communicating things to the player. So I think if you will do things more generic, then in the end of the day, it would just look more generic <laughs> and kind of maybe not interesting. So I would say, again, a, a good uh, game development process probably would be to just create a prototype prototype for your level prototype for your weapons and other things and uh, yeah uh, vfx would uh, give you a white box representation of those effects and uh, game design would be able to play with them to adjust their damage scale etc i when i was doing uh, some weapons uh, remember for some prototype in one of my previous company what i've actually did i've created a an effect uh, for the eoe uh, type of weapon uh, an effect had just a semi-transparent sphere and i gave a game designer uh, controls so he would be able to uh, change the sphere size so when he were creating a bigger area of effect the sphere was changing its size and uh, the game design played with it for a month or two or maybe less and uh, 
they were balancing some other weapons as well in this kind of similar fashion and when they were happy with the size of the area and how much damage it does they basically saved it uh in the current state and gave it back to me and then kind of explained that it's area of damage but then this area that were created also doing damage over time for i don't know half a minute 30 seconds so that's what i've created in the end of the day the visuals for that and for some other weapons i think i think it's a pretty good process to uh do things like that um it's it doesn't work all the time because in some cases you could be uh the game design could be balancing weapons and creating some new weapons and at the same time you need to uh create a, a pretty good visuals for those weapons or something like that because uh that would be like a green light of some sorts pretty much soon so it should play good and it also should look uh a little bit kind of somewhat convincing i won't say polished or have a final look but somewhat convincing so at that point there there could be some issues but yeah if you are know uh what your game would be if uh you're knowing what those weapons would be you can give uh, your game designers uh those kind of controls and in the end of the day it would kind of work really well for for everybody yeah i love when the content teams do that like animation where i can change the length or like vfx where i can change the sphere this is perfect it's like you can play around with that but yeah yeah but yeah, thank you so much. I've learned so many things today about VFX. Um, do you have kind of like any, I guess, last advice or thoughts on the topic for people who either like learning to do VFX and want to get into the job or people just generally interested in VFX? Um, I would say this is this is quite interesting and creative field, um, the uh, real-time VFX. And there's a lot of opportunities to use any kind of the uh, art skills that you've obtained in your past. There's a lot of implications for any kind of techniques. Um, I also would say if you want to break in and you don't know where to start, there's actually several pretty good courses around. Like, for example, um, CG Master Ac Academy, they have a um, real-time VFX online course or um, Rebelway have also real-time VFX for games course, and it's around like eight weeks long, where you are working with a in a group of uh, people, and you have a mentor. Uh, you're working towards some goals. You're creating a variety of different effects for actually for the games, and you taught how to optimize them as well. Um, if you're aiming into more stylized effects and you want to know how to properly draw them frame by frame and use other different techniques, uh, in, not necessarily like a, a frame by frame drawing, but something else to make it also look stylized. I would highly suggest VFX uh, Apprentice School. They have uh, a lot of um, mentors from Riot Games, for example, and from other companies that have like really good looking um, stylized effects in them. So that, and they also have a variety of different courses for those. So uh, yeah highly recommended um and uh, last but not least i have a book here called elemental magic by joseph gilland 
um, uh, and it's called The Art of Special Effects Animation. So this book was written maybe 20 years ago by one of the really great uh, 2D VFX uh, animator that was creating effects for a lot of feature films. I think for Warner Bros, maybe Disney as well, I don't remember. Uh, but it's you can buy it on Amazon. I saw this book reappearing in almost any VFX artist interview, being it like from uh, Epic Games or from some other companies. I think this is the the table book for the VFX artist. It's really good. It's not that long. There's a lot of uh, good ideas how to think about the VFX that you are creating, and a lot of examples what you should be thinking about and how you can do those drawing them um, frame by frame. But all of those techniques and uh, thought process are actually applicable for, I think, any kind of VFX. So yeah, again, highly recommend it. Buy it, look through it. It definitely would help. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's uh, a lot of uh, resources as well. Very useful. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for coming here. Um, Oh, sorry, and I forgot, uh, last but not least, there's a realtimevfx.com where there's all of the real-time VFX artists are gathered there. Uh, there's a really good forum. You can post your work and uh, you can it can be reviewed by the pros in the industry and you can get a lot of advices how to improve or you can also find a job there. So, yeah. Great, thank you. Well, Thank that concludes our episode on VFX for the Game Day of London podcast. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, join us in Discord and Twitter and YouTube. And also, like, you can find all of the previous episodes and new episodes on the gamedev.london website, uh, as well as many other resources and information about events. Thank you, everyone. See you this time next Monday. Uh, bye.